Welcome to the Healing HQ Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea. I'm a Hashimoto's warrior, registered dietitian, and lover of all things healing. Each week, we will dive deep and provide you tips, tricks, and everything you will need on your healing journey from myself and my guests in the community. If you're ready to jump headfirst into your healing journey, then this podcast is for you. Get ready to talk all things woo-woo, mindset, nutrition, and so much more. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Healing HQ podcast. I am so excited. We have Laura here. She is a professional singer, a choir teacher, and she is a nutrition coach, guys. She started her nutrition coaching business in 2019 when she saw a huge, huge, huge need for nutrition coaches to focus on mindset work. Yes. She believes every woman deserves to step into their power and live the life of their dreams by making nutrition and fitness work with their lives instead of the other way around. She is a nutrition coach, a yoga certified practitioner. I don't know what you would call it. Um, (laughs) She has her yoga cert, which is awesome. Um, And she is working on becoming a personal trainer and getting a ton of other certifications. I am so happy you are here and get to chat with you about all things healing and and all the goodies you have to bring to the world. So to start off, I thought I would have you kind of share your story, why you're here, what you do to help women, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Chelsea. I am excited to be here. Um, So a lot of people have, you know, when they talk about their story and why they got into health and fitness, a lot of times they have like this really impactful story about overcoming an illness or a family member overcame an illness or something um, that's really fun to hear about. And I actually don't have a story quite like that. Um, I don't want to have a story like that. (laughs) I consider myself lucky to not. Um, But I kind of stair-stepped my way into this role as an athlete my whole life who was never taught anything about nutrition, as someone who has struggled a little bit myself with some hormone issues and thyroid things, as I know you are (laughs) very familiar with. Um, And I think what kind of really pushed me to do this was actually having a bad experience with a coach myself a couple years ago. Um, Man, she just, she kind of wrecked my hormones and I just didn't know anything at the time. And so after I realized what had happened, I was like, hmm nope, I can do this better than she did. So, so I decided to go all in, do my precision nutrition training and kind of by accident started taking on clients before I planned to, before I thought I was ready. Um, which really I think is the best way to do it. Um, dive right in and figure it out as you go. So that's what I've been doing. And, um, I think I I do really focus on some mindset work. I think that's what is missing for a lot of coaches and the coach that I had specifically, it was really just here are your macros, hit them. And that that was all I got. Um, And for most women, I think it's, it's a lot more than that. And yeah, we just, we need a little bit more, we need a little more love. Yeah, seriously. It sounds like you, you, I mean, you have had a healing journey. I know not that you had like this big, or you said you didn't have like an illness or anything like that, which knock on wood, right? Yes. But like, <laughs> it's, it's so true. Like we, 
me too. I, I've had many experiences, even working with dietitians, nutrition coaches, um, like way before Instagram was a thing, um, who basically were like, here are the calories you have to hit for the day. Um, good luck. And it's like handing, it's the same thing with doctor's offices, right? Like mm-hmm. handing you a piece of paper and being like, all right, see you in six months. Let me know how it goes. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, uh, what do I do? How do I help myself? And then you try and do everything you can, but nothing seems to work. That's what everyone tells me. And I'm sure you feel the same. Like I've tried mm-hmm. everything. Nothing works. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me more about like how you incorporate mindset into what you do and like what you feel the biggest, like how would someone start a mindset journey? I think it's different for everyone um, because every woman who comes to me has a different relationship with food and a different struggle with food and a different relationship with their bodies. I think that um, from a coaching standpoint, the most important thing is to just be understanding and empathetic and acknowledge that this is more than just food. Because I think that a lot of people hire a coach expecting it. You know, I have people who had asked me, I actually used to just call myself a nutrition coach. And I added the mindset um, to my title because people were coming to me basically wanting macros or meal plans. And I think it's important that they understand that I'm not a cookbook. I am not a calculator. I am a coach and I'm here for them and that health is holistic. Um, So I think from the coaching aspect, that's really important for them to understand as the client, like, okay, this is not just about my body. This is, this is about me and all of me. Um, From a client standpoint, I think the most important thing for them is to really find and develop a sense of self-worth. Because what I have learned is that if people don't have a sense of self-worth, then they don't really invest because they don't think that they are worthy of the work and the improvement and the investment, both emotionally and financially. Um, And so, you know, sometimes we do some journaling. Sometimes um, our check-ins really don't focus on food, but instead they'll focus on, you know, how, how are you feeling actually? What were your struggles? Um, and if none of that has to do with what they're supposed to be eating, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm sure you have the same, um, in your coaching. It's like, sometimes, yeah, we really need to figure out like, what the heck is my carb source going to be? Other times it's like, I am just, I'm worn down, I'm beaten up and like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, I mean, in, in my programs, what I do is mindset is the first thing we work on before we even touch food. Like we don't even go there because our mindset, and this is something I firmly believe. And I probably said this a million times on this podcast and I'm only a few episodes in is your, if your mind and your body are not connected, nothing you do is going to work. Mm-hmm. Your mindset has to be a team with your body. So if if it's not and you're having negative self-talk and you're doing all, all of these things that aren't going to serve you, instead you're just searching for like the magic pill or something like that, it tends to be a lot harder on your body and could be harmful on your body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I just feel like 
mindset is such a huge part of any healing journey. A hundred percent. And, you know, I have several of my clients have pointed out that exact thing. Like, man, I, I thought I had tried everything, right? The other things I tried, we didn't do any of this mindset work. It was all about the food and the, the activity and sometimes sleep and water and things like that, that are also very important, but it was all physical. None of it was mental and emotional. And, um, you know, some of the journaling prompts that I'll have my clients do have to do with our past conditioning. What was the talk like around food and your body growing up? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I talked to one, I do exploration calls for people who aren't ready to invest in coaching. And I was on a call and this woman was like, I asked her that question and she said, oh my gosh, I, my mom used to hide junk food from us and my Mm. sister and I would like ravage the the pantry, like looking for where she hid it. And so it was this like taboo thing that was off limits. And like literally at the age of, I think she's like 31 years old, she was like, I've never thought about this before. And it's like, we have to look back on our stories and figure out what got us here. And usually it's not just, oh, I eat too much food, which right. is what so many people think. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I, same thing in my family. Like we were constantly on low fat, low calorie, but that was like the trend. Not that that's an excuse, like the hundred calorie pack snacks and all <laughs> yep. that stuff. And then like no eating after a certain time, we all were on Weight Watchers all the time. Too. Like, it's like, And obviously our parents were doing it out of what they thought love was, Mm -hmm. but little do we know it it is a toxic behavior and really puts, demonizes certain foods when like my own journey and even with like binge eating disorder and things like that, it's, it was truly like very interesting to learn about my past conditioning that came from learned behaviors Mm -hmm. that were holding me back. For sure. And sometimes it's not even like our upbringing in our household, but a lot of times, you know, women aren't realizing that every single tabloid we see and every commercial we see is like, you need to be as small as possible, take up less space, don't eat too much food. Like women aren't supposed to eat a lot. And like, it's total bullshit. And it's so, when that has been ingrained into us, it's so hard to let that go. Yeah. Um, You know, and you mentioned positive self-talk earlier. I think that's huge because so many of us are conditioned to, pick apart every little thing and we look in the mirror and it's like, Oh my God, I'm so fat. My arms are so floppy. I have cellulite. And it's like, say something nice. Your body does so much for you every single day. Yeah. Say something nice and shut up the demons. They didn't come from you. They came from outside of you. So you can shut them up. (laughs) Seriously. It's like, it's one thing I say to people I work with. And this usually is a tearjerker, which I never thought it would be. Um, Cause to me, it just made sense. I often ask like, when was the last time you told yourself you loved yourself? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever not asked that question. I don't know the right way to say it, but I don't think I've ever asked that question and not had someone cry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. English. Um, and it always hits home because we are not mm-hmm. taught 
in this world today to remind ourselves that like, hey, it's me and you, right? Me and you meaning like my yeah, body and me. Absolutely. And it's it's just like, if we all understood, like what is it going to take to have people understand that like everyone's bodies are different mm-hmm. and just because you're a little bigger here, you you eat a little more you or whatever it is that you feel you're self-conscious about doesn't define your worth. No, not at all. Yeah, I really like what you said about the relationship between you and your body. Um, I've actually been thinking about that a lot and how, you know, if we have, we have relationships with our friends, right? And I'm sure that we can think of times where our friend has pissed us off or they're being annoying or whatever it is, and we still love them. And I feel like, um, and I'm all for the body positivity movement. I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing that movement, but I think one thing that it has done, it, or something that people maybe have misinterpreted about the BOPO movement is that we have to love every single thing about our bodies all the time, Mm. regardless of like what it's doing, what it looks like. And I get the messaging, but I think that that's a false relationship because there's no relationship in our lives with any person or our body that's going to be, we love it or them 100% every single day, all the time. Like that's just not real life, yeah. whether it's a friend or a significant other. And I think that we need to have that same concept of our relationship with our bodies and know that like some days I might not like it as much as other days and that's okay. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. It doesn't mean that I hate my body. Like that's not what that means. Yeah, It's a relationship that we need to foster and take care of just like any other. Yeah. It's so, so true. And it's like, you can love the heck out of your body. You can love yourself, but still want to improve. Like, and I, and I say that to a lot of people, including people who aren't in like the healing world in my life, like family, friends, and things like Mm -hmm. that, who are very much in a um, societal, toxic, weight loss, whatever world. And I always say like, you can learn to love your body where you're at and still want to improve and have abs and maybe lose weight. But if you're coming at it from a place of scarcity and -hmm. not having it and and never believing in yourself, and that's the only thing that's going to make you happy, that's usually when it doesn't click. Yep. Because you're missing that foundation mindset piece, that part of the journey that's going to set it apart but like no one talks about it. And I think, oh my God, I'm going to go on the whole bandwagon wagon route right now because that's how, how the whole saying got freaking invented. The stupid bandwagon that the <laughs> diet industry made. There's no bandwagon. You have nothing no. to fall off of. So stop freaking saying it. You don't fall off. I love that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I actually asked that on a call once. I was like, can someone tell me where this wagon is and where it's going? Because if it's your journey, then aren't you the driver? Like if you get off, then just get back, get back on when you're ready and start driving again. Right. But like, it's not going to keep going. It's like people, it's genius of the diet industry, unfortunately, but because that's the whole 
point. That's why they make mm-hmm. so much freaking billions and billions of dollars every year, <laughs> every year. But, um, because they're telling people that if you fall off, you have to start something new or invest all these monies in these, pi- all these monies, all this money in these pills and, and, and stuff that just like, don't help you. And they force you to fall off the bandwagon because they're not teaching you the foundational things and the stupid bandwagon banter needs to freaking go. <laughs> yes. And that's, uh, you just said something that reminded me of a comment I got actually just yesterday from someone. Um, I had made a post on social media about kind of how to know if your body is ready for fat loss, because a lot of times you just diet and diet and diet and diet. And eventually your body's going to be like, bro, you got to stop. Like yeah. I'm going to die. Um, and this person said, wow, I just thought I was stupid. Mm. And I was like, we literally, like, wh- I don't know how old you are when you like graduated school or were from different parts of the country, but like, I was taught basically move your body, eat vegetables, like eat a well-rounded diet, right? Like eat meat, eat vegetables. People told me to eat dairy. Um, Dairy makes me sick. So I'm glad they were telling me to have like 10 servings of milk a day Mm -hmm. to get calcium or whatever it was. But we're not taught anything. No one should feel stupid. That's the whole reason that like I have this job and you have your job is because we are not taught the things that we should know about our bodies and about taking care of them. Yeah. So if you're listening and you feel stupid, please don't. It's not your fault. <laughs> this is a huge lack of education mm-hmm. everywhere. Seriously. Yeah, I love that you just said that cuz and I've never really thought of it that way that like once again the system, whatever the system is, has <laughs> failed us basically by not I mean even with women's health, like this is something I've actually have thought about. And like, when I learned about my period and like what happens when you have your cycle, like they normalize PMS. It's normal Mm -hmm. to be a crazy psychotic lunatic the week before your period. And it's, all I knew is that like something shed and then I bleed and then, and then I can make a baby. Right. Right. And like you get grumpy and eat chocolate or whatever. Right. But like, if you actually, like, what if we actually learned as women, like how different parts of our cycle and different mindset practices and different food at different part of our cycle actually would help us Mm -hmm. not PMS because it's not supposed to happen. And and just have those healthier habits, but like understand what the heck is going on in our bodies. A hundred percent. That was actually when I talked earlier about my little stair steps to getting where I am. Um, one of them was horrible experiences with hormonal birth control mm. and what it did to my body. And the fact that doctors had always just said, oh, you have horrific periods. I'm so sorry for you. Here's hormonal birth control. Yeah. And we're again, not taught about any of these things. We're also not taught, I don't think, to ask our doctors questions. Nope. We're just taught to trust what they tell us. And so, you know, 19-year-old me with horrible cramps was like, oh my God, yay, I have this pill that's going to make my periods better. Little did I know it was going to absolutely ruin my body and my mood Mm -hmm. because they left that little detail out. Right also left out the details about, oh, we can actually look at the root causes of this and potentially fix it without messing with your hormones. But once again, we are not told these things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, how do we, 
and one thing I, my clients, I like instill this in them. I'm like, you are paying your doctor, nothing mm-hmm. against doctors. So needed. They are necessary when they are necessary. There's Absolutely. nothing wrong with it, but it's, you are allowed to ask questions. You are allowed to say, no, you mm-hmm. are paying them. Like, I think people forget that like, A, you don't need to stick with the same doctor and B, like, where do you think the money you pay goes? Mm-hmm. Like, you are allowed to ask questions and be your ad- own advocate and ask why and say, I want to do it a different way. And if they don't want to, then you don't need to work with them. Absolutely. But I fell into the birth control trap too, and it definitely is rearing its hairy horn. Um And I was only on it for a few months um, and it just, nothing against it. If it works for you, it works Mm -hmm. for you. You know your body better than anyone else at the end of the day. But I think it it all stems back to, we are not taught the foundation of mindset and being kind to ourselves and giving ourselves permission to ask questions, to learn about our bodies because we're basically taught that it's not appropriate to. Yep. I was just going to say, you know, this all ties into our mindset and being able to step into our power as women, you know, we are in control of our own bodies and our own lives and our own health, or at least we should be, Mm -hmm. but you know, we've been silenced and we've been not even uneducated, but just total lack of education in these areas where if no one tells you to, then you don't know. And it's like, oh, like I had a client who came to me and said, you know, oh, my doctor told me to do this. And I said, did you ask them why? And she was like, uh, well, no, they're my doctor. I was like, no, 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 no. If you have questions, if something doesn't feel right, it doesn't seem right, you don't know why they're doing it, or you don't know why I'm doing something, like I want you to ask me questions too, because just like you said, you know, you know your body better than anyone else. So if I tell you to do something or your doctor tells you to do something and it doesn't feel right, you need to step up and, and you know, have the confidence to say, like, I know my body and this doesn't feel good. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just being, I think both of our goals in life really are to help women become empowered to feel confident enough to not only love their bodies, but to be in a really good place and relationship with themselves Mm -hmm. and and like how do you feel like obviously a lot of women not obviously that's the wrong word but a lot of women tend to like say the term I've run out of motivation like Mm. I had it (laughs) and I ran out of it and now it's lost and I can never do it again where do you get more (laughs) yeah right like where can I go buy some how do you feel like how do you feel this all relates to that, like mindset wise? So that's actually one of my least favorite questions that I get from clients. Um, but I think it, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Clients, random people on the internet all the time. How do you stay motivated? Like, listen, girl, if you think that I wake up and like, yes, I am so excited to brush my teeth and eat (laughs) healthy food and work out my body. Like that is not how I, maybe once a week, but that's even pushing it. Um, I think it really comes down to having, again, a sense of self-worth because if we don't think we're worthy of putting in this work, then we're not going to do it. And the biggest thing is a strong why. So I have my clients do an activity when they first start working with me called the five whys. 
and basically it breaks down their kind of surface level reason for finding coaching to something that's deeper. So their why might be, I want to lose 10 pounds. Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? I want to lose 10 pounds so that I can wear my favorite pair of jeans. Why do you want to wear your favorite, favorite pair of jeans? And you keep breaking that question down and usually it gets to something like, I don't feel like I am deserving of X, Y, and Z. And if I look this way, then I will feel deserving or something that's way deeper than just, I want to lose 10 pounds, mm-hmm. right? Or um, probably one of the strongest that I've heard is a client who came to me after losing both of her parents to cancer. And she said, I want to be around for my children. Like I do not want to leave my children. Like my parents left me. And so really finding that strong why, if you think about that every day or every time you don't feel motivated, everything you, every time you don't want to eat your, the food that you're supposed to eat or work out or get enough sleep or whatever it is. If you think about your why, I think if it's strong enough and if you really are, you know, dedicated to the changes that you're trying to make, then that should be your motivation. Yeah. I love that. I, I couldn't agree more in that, like your why should drive you. So if you're, if you are thinking of your why right now, while you're listening to this and it doesn't evoke like chills, maybe uncomfortable feelings, a little bit of anxiety or like excitement, then the why is not deep enough. Mm-hmm. It's just a surface level why, because that's how like knowing your why helps you feel empowered and find freedom in what you do in your environment and with your body and, and, and learning how, what works best for you. I mean, yeah. it's the driving force and why I do what I do and why you do what you do and, and mm-hmm. why you're listening, whoever's listening to this podcast, why you're here, right? Like it has something to do with it. For sure. I mean, the same way that most people, I, I don't know, maybe people wake up to go to their job. If you work a day job, like to go to your job every day and you're like skipping to work because you love it so much. But most of the people I know probably don't feel that way, but there's a motivation to be there, right? Like your income or you are up for a promotion and you really want to work hard to get it or whatever it is, whatever it is that's motivating you. I think that it's also important to understand that motivation is a feeling. Mm -hmm. And if we're, it's really less about being motivated and more about being dedicated. If you are dedicated to what you're doing, you're dedicated to the process dedication is not a feeling. Motivation is a feeling and feelings are fleeting. If I only worked out when I felt like it, it would happen once every two weeks, probably, <laughs> you know, yeah. if I only did all the, the, the parts of this job that I don't like, right. Like balancing my finances or all the things that I don't find as exciting as working with clients, like I would never do it, but I'm dedicated to it and I have a strong why. So it's a lot easier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's, it's motivation. And I, and I often say this to people, like the definition of motivation is to run out. Like eventually your body has to take over. Like your why has to take over because you can only borrow like someone's belief in yourself for so long. I like that. And you have to, 
really like in order to make your dream, like your goal, your dreams, whether it be your dream body, your dream life, whatever it is, in order for it to become a reality, you have to really not only have a concrete why, but just like you said, be dedicated enough that when the motivation runs out, you don't stop. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. It's just so, I love this stuff. It's so cool to talk about. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> it, it's, it's cause you're, I think I would love for you to talk about how, um, limiting beliefs play a role, how your thoughts become reality and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what we think is so powerful. Um, I did an activity with a client who caught, she admittedly like caught herself saying a bunch of mean things when she looked in the mirror and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Every time you say something mean about yourself, you're catching it, which is great because if we're not catching it and like being aware of it, then it, we can't fix it. So she did a great job catching it, being aware of it. I said, every, for every one mean thing you say about yourself, you need to tell yourself two nice things mm-hmm. and not like half-ass it, not like oh, my hair's kind of nice, but like, okay, hair's looking fly. Mm-hmm. We're looking good today. And I'm rocking these jeans. Like you say it like you mean it. You say it out loud because we really do start to believe it. And what, what we speak becomes our reality, what we think becomes our reality. And so if you are constantly telling yourself that you can't do something, that's it. Super cheesy quote, but one of my favorite quotes is like, whether you tell yourself you can or that you can't, you're right. Because it's mm. so true. Like, you're the only one, like other people can be your cheerleaders. That's great. My mom is a great cheerleader, (laughs) but if I don't believe what I'm doing, or if I don't believe I can do something, it doesn't matter how many people I have cheering for me. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I think it's, I'm a teacher. So I think it's important to also know what type of learner you are. Um, I like to write things like handwrite things. Um, that really kind of sets it in stone for me. I know other people, I have had clients who like to write nice things on, like with an expo marker on their mirrors. Some people do post-it notes. Some people type. Some people speak things out loud. Figure out what works for you and what feels the most authentic. Um, so, like I said, some people love saying things out loud. I feel silly doing it, which is dumb because no one's here. Well, and if my husband's here, he already knows I'm super weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just doesn't feel as like authentic to me for yeah. some reason. So I really like to physically write things down. I have a paper planner, like a big nerd. And so I write things in my planner. Um, But figuring out what works best for you. um, I have some friends who really like to listen to motivational podcasts or like super hype YouTube videos with the really dramatic music in the background every morning, whatever works, whatever is going to get you in the mindset of, I know I can do this. You know, again, I don't need motivation. I'm dedicated to this. I'm worthy of this. Whatever it is that you need to say and say it. And don't stop when you feel like you get to a good place because our old demons like to creep back in. So when you're in a good place with it, you have to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I I totally agree in that. Like it's, it's one thing to just say words. 
like mm-hmm. go through the motions because someone told you to do affirmations or journaling or whatever meditation. Like I always thought I had to meditate. Like in order for me to heal and feel mm-hmm. better, I have to meditate. And I have come to the conclusion that I, it doesn't work for me. My brain doesn't shut off. I can't, like, it's just not enjoyable. It's I'm stressed at the fact that it, I'm not getting it. And that's mm-hmm. the complete opposite of what meditation is supposed to be. So I decided, you know what? Okay. I, I'm allowing myself to not be good at something and I'm going to move on to something else that's going to yes. have the same effect. And then I found something that worked for me, which was breath work way more than meditation worked for me. Mm-hmm. But then you meet some people who pe- they swear by meditation or they swear by drinking celery juice every day or like whatever that thing is. But just know that just because someone else does it, whoever you follow on Instagram or your coach or whoever, like you don't have to do it that way. You have to do what works for you and your body. Yes. So important. I'm so glad you said that. Um, Because yeah, whether it's, you know, a diet or workout programming or morning routine, whatever it is, I did the same thing with like, as a yoga teacher, I have friends who get up at like 4.30 in the morning and like meditate for an hour and juice and like do all these things. And I... I can't. I can't. My body does not like to be awake before the sun. It just doesn't work. It doesn't matter how early I go to bed. I just feel like garbage. So you have to find what works for you. And I think that that is part of the problem with playing the comparison game is like, oh, well, Karen did it. Poor Karen. I feel bad for everyone named Karen right now, but (laughs) Karen did it. And like Karen did keto. So I want to do keto. And it's like, okay, that's not how this works. Like you and Karen don't have the same body. You don't have the same lifestyle. You don't have the same genes. You don't have the same hormone. Like nothing about you guys is the same. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So whether, and you know, that goes back to standing up for yourself, right? If it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't feel right, then don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I love that. I think that, I think some of the favorite things we just talked about if my brain can't go back that far, <laughs> is basically really feeling empowered to that you are in charge of your life and all the choices you make. Mm-hmm. And also that your mindset really is the foundation of a true healing journey. And if your mindset is not in check, meaning you don't have that tool, those tool belts or what a tool, whatever your tool shed, um, (laughs) filled with things that you have in your pocket to use to help your mindset. It's, it, those things are the foundations that will help rise you up to making sure that you're dedicated to making Mm -hmm. sure that you're, when motivation runs out, you have a path to follow and that you can create these healthy habits for yourself and they don't have to be what anyone else says they are. You could make them whatever you want. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have any last words you'd like to add before we sign off? I guess the only other thing that I feel really strongly about that I want to make sure people hear Mm -hmm. is that it is okay and actually encouraged to put yourself first. Yeah. That's another big struggle with my clients. Um, and I can, I can tell you after several couple years of not putting myself first, the people around me would attest that it is better when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, take care of you first, fill your cup up, up first, 
because you cannot pour from an empty cup Mm -hmm. and everyone around you will be better for it and you deserve it. Yeah. I love that. That's like, fill your own damn cup up is something I say like pretty much every single day (laughs) to whoever I'm talking to, because it's, (laughs) it's something I really struggle with like personally in my journey and that like I, for the longest time, like even now I struggle with it and it's something I teach people to do Um, because it's hard. It is hard to worry about yourself when for so long you've wanted to worry about everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have definitely seen the negative sides of that because pouring out of a cup that's empty is like impossible. Dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really just sucks the life out of you. So I'm very, very, very cautious of protecting my energy mm-hmm. in that like I excuse myself from conversations when I have to. Uh, at family events, I take breaks. Like I schedule, literally have an alarm in my phone for like every three to four hours to take a break. <laughs> I love that. I can't, I can't, my energy is so precious to me these days because I've poured out of an empty cup for so long that I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of it. And if there's one thing that I teach and and all of my clients and past program members and all that will say, this is fill your own damn cup cup up because (laughs) I love it. it, It's, it's, you will get sick. Mm -hmm. You can't, it's impossible. You can't heal if you are constantly giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To other people, not yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This was such a good conversation. I love, love, love talking about this stuff with you. Why don't you go ahead and tell us where everyone can find you? It will also be in the show notes below, but let us know. Perfect. Yes. Um, Don't even pretend. Well, I do have a Facebook group. I really suck at Facebook. So I always tell people like, "Don't, don't reach out to me on Facebook. I'm bad at it. I do have a free Facebook group. If you're interested, if that's your jam, you can slide into my DMs on Instagram, which is at lara.days. Lara is L-A-R-A. I didn't pick it. That's what I got. (laughs) Days, D-A-Y-S. And my website is www.laraelizabethcoaching.com. And I would love to hear from any and all of you. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. This was so fun. Thank you, Chelsea. I had a blast. 